Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining us right now, one of my favorite NBA writers, and I mean that sincerely, a son of the great white north. James Herbert joins us on the show right now. Find him on Twitter. At Outside the NBA. James, how the hell are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words, too. Well, I mean that sincerely. It's always fun when we have you on because you're always a very thoughtful, very smart guy, and you always have a little bit of fun, so at least it's not a dry interview when we have you either. All right, last night. Let me start with last night, and we'll we'll expand on that here in a moment. Why do they even bother to give out a two-minute report? I don't think anybody cares about a two-minute report, and we, I, I found it to be goaltending. They didn't find it to be goaltending. Then they said that they made the made a mistake, and I go... The worst, I don't want to hear about your mistake. I, I just want the call to be right. I, I don't care about a two-minute report. I'm sorry, James. It's the truth. Go ahead. I think what you just said is how most NBA players and coaches affected by any of these things think. Uh, from a league perspective, I think their line has always been that they think transparency is good. They think that just communicating what happened is, is better than doing nothing. But I think if you're emotional after a loss like that, where you feel like you've just been jogged by the referees, then you get this two-minute reporter, you get this explanation from the, the pool rep- reporter who talked to the officials last night, and they get a couple of sentences from the refs saying, uh, this is what happened. When the players already know what the official explanation is, they take it as just another slap in the face. And I, I think that's what the result is going to be in the last two-minute report comes out later today and the result last night if i mean go, go have a look at damian lillard's twitter account go have a look at, oh, yeah. at cj mccollum's twitter account like the the, the blazers are extremely mad because they're in a playoff race and, and there's nothing that the nba can say short of we're going to do that over um that is going to make them happy like the, the, the players and the coaches in the league when they're actually affected by these things the explanation does not help at all it doesn't change anything James Herbert joining us, CBS Sports NBA writer. Find him on Twitter at Outside the NBA. I couldn't agree with you more, James, and thank you very much for that statement. Trade deadline. What'd you think of it? Uh, it was interesting. I mean, there were a lot of like smaller deals that we can talk about. And I think uh, what Houston did uh, was really interesting to me. The Russell Wiggins trade was just kind of crazy uh, in all directions. But if you actually look at like who's going to win the title this year. Um, I, I think the Clippers did well for themselves, and kind of nobody else did anything. And the Bucks picked up Marvin Williams on a buyout, uh, which I think is really could actually be important in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But I mean, at the, the top of the league, there, there wasn't a lot of movement. It, it was a flurry of activity, but in terms of like impact this season, there there wasn't a ton, right? No, not in in the terms of the big names. Like there were a couple of names that we know and. Yeah, you know, Andre Drummond's been a two-time All-Star. Like that's a okay, that's that's a kind of a name. But other than that, there really wasn't a whole lot there that was thrown out. Can I can I ask you a different? This is a total right turn, but I'm going to do it here. Yeah. So so Andrew Wiggins is moving in the trade deadline, and I made the commentary. You know, I'm from Cleveland, and I made the commentary. I said that might have been the worst fan take I had ever heard. The night they drafted Andrew Wiggins, and I know it's in a vacuum, but the night they drafted Andrew Wiggins. I'm going. And we're hearing about the LeBron stuff at the time and how he'd like to play with Kevin Love. And I said I would trade for Kevin Love. I'd trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love in a heartbeat. And there were a lot of people who disagreed at that time. 
And there were even people nationally who disagreed at that time. And I look back and I go, that is the worst fan. I got screamed at all night. I got screamed at for the next weeks. And then they made the trade and the Cavaliers ended up winning in 2016. And I go back and I say, that's the worst fan take I had ever heard by NBA fans. What To you, you've seen more basketball than me. You've spoken to more NBA fans than me. What is the worst fan take you can think of? Oh, man. I, w- I was going to just, just talk about Wiggins for a second, but... um. I mean, well, you can do that too. That's fine. Okay, let's do that because I like you introduced me as being from the Great White North. I'm from Toronto, so I've been hearing Andrew Wiggins hype since he was about 15 years old, and he was supposed to be not only the savior of Canadian basketball and the Canadian national team, which he basically never plays for. He was supposed to be the savior of the Cleveland Cavaliers briefly, and then the savior of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it just hasn't worked out. But th- this is where it's tricky. Like wh- when you project too much certainty on a draft pick, even one as hyped as him, even one who's a number one pick, you, you can end up looking really stupid really soon. And that's what happened with a lot of us, honestly. Like, I remember when he was, like, literally in high school before he even got to Kansas, um, there were people who, when they scouted him, when they wrote about him, they said, oh, it doesn't look like he's always engaged. Oh, he's, like, sort of an inattentive defender half the time. He's talented, but he can, like, float through games. He looks a little sleepy out there. And I was like, come on, man, he's 16, and look how talented he is. Look how good he is. Why are you nitpicking his game like that? And sure enough, we're five years into his career, and all of that stuff is still being said about him, and all that stuff has actually kind of defined his NBA career so far. So I, I think it is just hard when you are projecting young players, even ones who seem like absolute blue-chip, top-of-their-class prospects for years, um, if they don't kind of iron out the flaws in their game, and if they have kind of fundamental issues, with their game and just kind of with focus and effort on the court, that that can end up biting you when you're just like, yeah, let's not overlook it. Let's not because it doesn't feel nice. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do uh, when you when you have a player that young and and you're kind of like just picking apart his game like that instead of focusing on the positives. Which, by the way, the positives are still there. Like yeah. even now in the NBA, Wiggins can erupt for thirty yeah, he's, plus. He's and not he trash. Can win you a yeah. game in the fourth quarter. It's just that only happens every once in a while. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. James, I'm not. And you know that. I'm not trying to say he's garbage. He's not garbage. The young man isn't. But it's he's just, certainly not worth the max contract that he's on. Uh-huh. And the, the Timberwolves mm-hmm. just had to pay a pretty steep price uh, to, to unload him. Yes. So I, I think you were absolutely right on your take. And people like me, I mean, I, I wasn't killing the Cavs for getting Kevin Love, but I, at, if I go back, like, I definitely at the time was thinking, like, this is interesting. This is risky. You're, you're going all in right now, which I get because you have LeBron. But there was a chance that Wiggins was like the perfect piece uh, to kind of grow with LeBron and have a guy on a, a rookie contract and you can fill out the roster in other ways and maybe get a star in a different way. Like, I, I was not on, I don't think, either extreme end of that. But at the time, absolutely, I thought Wiggins was going to be a, su- a future superstar. A lot of us did. James Herbert with us on the show. So in, in the NBA, especially with NBA fans, basketball fans in general, I mean, there are damning opinions. And I think more than the other two or other three big sports – so, can you name off the top of your head a worst fan take that you've ever heard? Ooh, like from uh, a, and not just like one guy on Twitter with like two followers. I mean, like a fan base believes this. And you go, what? What are you talking about? I would say there were a lot of people um, in the draft just just recently, just a couple of years ago, um, heading into it that said Luka Doncic was not going to be able to make the transition to the NBA because of some quotes from a couple of players 
uh, in the Euro League that had said, well, look at what happens when he gets an athletic wing defending him. Uh, he's not going to be able to get to the basket or beat anyone off the dribble in the NBA. The athleticism is going to be different. Um, the, the game is just going to be different. And you can ignore that he was like literally the most successful young player uh, in European basketball history. You can ignore that he was the MVP of both the ACB and the Euro League, like do, doing things that pe- literally people had never done before. There were people that were like, yeah, you obviously take DeAndre Ayton, number one. Yeah, like the, the Kings should not be criticized for taking Bagley. Luka is this huge risk. Who has any idea how to project him going forward? When a lot of people on the other end, like me, were just like, I, I cannot believe he didn't go number one. And so I, I think that was one of those things that was a little bit divisive. You had people uh, on the extreme on, on both ends when it happened. Um, because obviously the the Suns and the Kings also received people who were very mad, like criticism, people who were very mad that they passed on him. But I, I think there was this narrative about Luca that he somehow like wasn't athletic enough or his game wouldn't quite translate to the NBA or, oh, he's overweight, all this blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, all right, like that, like immediately last year that was proven wrong. And then this year that just looks completely insane to the point where I would say that is one of the worst takes that I've ever heard in my entire life. That's fantastic. James Herbert with us on the show. Can the Raptors still get the Bucks? I think it's possible. Um, I, I think they present some issues for Milwaukee, potentially in a playoff setting that maybe in the regular season uh, wouldn't be as apparent, though. I will say I'm going back to Toronto for a visit um, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to get to see those teams play each other, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like, but I mean, the, the Bucks' regular season track record speaks for itself. They've been the best team in the league. It has not been close. But I do think, you know, that the even getting Marvin Williams, who, who I think will help them, like they haven't exactly addressed uh, the issues that we saw against the Raptors in last year's playoffs. I mean, they're still very reliant on Giannis Adetokounmpo for playmaking. Giannis still is not particularly comfortable um, outside of the paint, even though he is shooting three-pointers now. I don't know that you can count on him making them. In the playoffs, so if the Raptors can reach the level of defense uh, that they got to in last year's playoffs, then yeah, I, I, I think it will be um, an interesting and close series. It, it was very close last year, too. Uh, the, the difference is they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, so they have to compensate in other ways. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I wrote a story on the Raptors uh, earlier this season about their defense and how this, this what they're doing is kind of the future of NBA defense there. They are doing some very unconventional things. They are really trying to keep opponents uh, out of rhythm by changing up the defense they're playing constantly, not not only you know from quarter to quarter or game to game. Like they're they're doing it like minute to minute. And uh, the help defense they play, the the level of basketball IQ that those guys have, the toughness that those guys have. I, I mean, they they have these two six foot guys in Lowry and Van Vliet, uh, who they're comfortable switching onto these big wings, and they can actually do it because they're so strong and they're so competitive, and they're so wide that like. They can't really be posted up. Like it is a really good team, and they know exactly what their identity is, and they play together. Uh, it's just a matter of like on the offensive end, uh, can they overcome not having that front line star that they had last year? And on the defensive end, can they reach that level that they got to last season? Where honestly, they are one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, so I- the the Bucks on paper look better than they were last year but i don't know if that will still be the case in the playoffs where you have like wesley wesley matthews uh in the starting lineup for them and malcolm brogdon is not there can you make me feel better about myself for something i, I got I, I got three i got three minutes so you don't have a lot of time to do it uh sure. i feel like a, i feel like a sellout i should be the type of person i am 
I like Memphis, and I think they have a nice young nucleus. Like, I don't know if I'd trade those young guys for a lot of different people. Um, and maybe you disagree with me, but that's fine. It's, it's not even the conversation. Okay. I, th- I feel I should be ripping Andre Iguodala, and I, I think I understand it. And I'm like, nah, I probably wouldn't either if I was Andre Iguodala. Have I sold out, James? No. I, like, Iguodala, <laughs> I had to do, like, the, like, I did, like, the winners and losers of, of the trade deadline, as I think a lot of writers did a couple of days ago. And, like, he was, like, the, the most obvious winner in the world to me. He played this absolutely perfectly. And, you know, it, it's, I understand why some people get annoyed with the idea that he is just sitting at home and he is collecting his checks. But you have to understand, like, he talked to the Grizzlies about this. This wasn't a situation where they were absolutely furious that he wasn't going to report. They didn't trade for him because he was Andre Iguodala, the basketball player. Like that, that, that if you're talking about business decisions and like mm-hmm. respecting who you're working with and all this stuff, they wanted to trade for him strictly as an asset. Like they wanted to trade for him simply so they could get something for him. They got cash and a pick from the Warriors because the Warriors needed to clear space so they could go pull off the D'Angelo Russell trade, which enabled them to go get another pick. Uh, this trade deadline where D'Angelo Russell ended up just being a pawn in sort of their asset management too. Like this is a very like kind of, you know, cutthroat and cold hearted business both ways. And I think to, to just sit here and say, Andre Iguodala is some kind of phony. I can't believe he did this. I can't believe he said he only wanted to go to a California team. So that he managed to finagle an extra $15 million out of the Miami heat. So that trade could be completed. How, how could he do this to the Grizzlies? Listen to these quotes from Dylan Brooks. Like, I get why Dylan Brooks is like saying what he was saying. It is. It was a weird situation, but I, I equally weird situations happen from the team perspective all the time. Chandler Parsons was just cut like two weeks after being in in a car accident where he got hit by a drunk driver. Like, this is how the NBA works. Yeah. And if, if Andre Iguodala wants to do that, and he ends up on top, like, the Grizzlies got something out of that, too. They got a lot out of it, and they're pretty happy right now, I think, to have Justice Winslow on their roster. He's a guy that they clearly really liked, given what they gave up to get him beyond just Iguodala, and they didn't really have an avenue to get a player like that without pulling off a, a bunch of moves to put themselves in that position, including getting Iguodala basically for free and actually being paid to take Iguodala in, oh, in the first place. So James. everybody is looking out for themselves. You made me feel so much better about myself. Thank you very much. Because you made sense of it. I thank you. Follow this guy on Twitter, at Outside the NBA. James, thank you for the time, buddy. Thank you for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.